Hi guys, hope everyone's well and welcome back to the Improving Podcast. So today I'm going to touch on overrated and underrated exercises in my opinion. So this isn't a, this, like I said, this is just coming from my point of view. I'll explain why I believe each movement is either underrated or overrated and I uh, hope you enjoy and also find some value in the episode. Uh, first of all, the, the movements I'm talking about are coming from a physique development point of view. And what I mean by this is, this isn't for enjoyment or for getting stronger. This is for if you're trying to build muscle. That's where I'm coming at. So, start off, quick update on myself. So, I've just started a diet this week. It's going really well so far. Uh, performance is holding in the gym, which it should. The first week in the diet, when you've got high body fat, you shouldn't really get any performance loss at all. And to be fair, I'm not really even feeling too tired from the diet, although it's quite a, a it's quite a fast rate of loss. Feeling a bit hungry, but made some changes to my food choices. So just opting for some foods that are more filling, and I'm fine. Uh, hunger's always going to be there, though. Hunger will creep up at some point, and I will feel tired. But it's just part of the process, and you can't really curb that. Uh, so you can do things to like mitigate hunger, like like I said, eat more protein, eat more foods high in calorie, uh, high in volume, so really filling in big foods like salads. But hunger's going to be there, so it's important to just learn to accept it and just deal with it at the end of the day. Once you've made some changes to make it easier, so to jump into the ex the not the exercise, sorry, the episode. So I'm first going to touch on some overrated exercises. So I'll give context on these. So don't just think, oh, the bench press is a bad exercise. Wait until I've got to, wait until you hear what I've got to say about them. Because it's important to not just take it as it is and take it with a pinch of salt in the context I'm giving it. So first of all is the dumbbell lateral raise. So this is... A movement that on paper is not the best. The reason why is when you're doing the movement, there's not a lot of tension on your shoulder at the bottom because all of the tension drops off when your hands are by your side. A good example why is imagine doing a dumbbell lateral raise but only doing the first wee bit of the movement. You'll see what my shoulder's doing on the camera if you're watching on YouTube but if I just move it at the bottom portion of the exercise just ever so slightly it's going to be really easy and I can do that all day with a heavy weight whereas if I want to do it at the very top of the exercise and just hold it there and put it up and down it's going to be extremely hard to hold that position. The reason why is because it's much much harder at the top and due to this it's not that effective an exercise in my opinion or not that it's not effective, but there's better ones you can choose if you're trying to train the sides of your shoulders. I wouldn't try and I wouldn't make all of my side shoulder work or my side delt work. Uh, dumbbell lateral raises for this reason, and the reason why is if you fail at the top because it's really hard, and you've still got a lot of room to work at the bottom, then you're kind of under-training the bottom part of your exercise or of your shoulder if you stop when you can't get full reps. And the reason why this is a problem is, is you can argue it's not as effective for growing your shoulders due to this. But there is a way around it. And the way around it is just doing partial reps after it. So partial reps are 
basically doing half reps. So once you kind of get more full reps to tire out the bottom portion of the movement where you're just moving the dumbbell away from your side slightly, you can just do partial reps until failure there. And that's a great way to work around that. And uh, so if any of my clients are watching this, I do often program dumbbell lateral raises. So don't think I'm just shoving a rubbish exercise in there. The reason why I usually program it is, yes, it might not be the most effective on paper, but when you're trying to program for people, it's not just about what's effective, it's about what they can they stick to. And if someone's new to a gym and I'm trying to get them to mess about on the cable stack using cuffs, doing some line exercise that's really hard, then it's going to be maybe quite daunting to them. They might feel a bit like nervous and not confident doing it and also it's not as enjoyable you can't just you have to put a bench in the rack attach cuffs put the height put the pin in etc etc and mess about doing it whereas you can just grab some dumbbells and throw them out to your sides boom easy exercise to do so can just stick into the program something very very important so adherence always comes first so that's what i mean take it with a pinch of salt so yes it might be overrated but there's still some value in doing it and it can still obviously grow muscle. Next up is barbell bench press. So again, this is an exercise I like to program for beginners because I like to see them master the basics because once you've mastered the basics, you can usually do any lift. And regardless if it will grant them those progress or not, I think learning execution is something very valuable that a coach should do for their clients because... So good being on a chest press machine, but if they can't really do a bench press, then what are they going to do when the chest press machine isn't available? So yeah, something very valuable to master. Saying that, if uh, some people don't always uh, fit well with the exercise, and what I mean by this is, everyone's got different arm lengths, etc. Different types of like chest there, like some chests. Some people have like a bigger like rib cage structure than others. This affects how bent, like how great the exercise is for them. And as a result, some people, they don't feel it in their chest. It might hurt their shoulders. And it's not that great an exercise on paper. So you don't have to do it. It's not the be end, end all if you want to grow your chest. So the reason I shoved this in, regardless of that, I think this is a great exercise to learn. Is because you see people think that you need to barbell bench press to grow a chest. So I think with all the information out there, this... This view is getting less and less I uh, common, but still want to shove it in there for that aspect. But again, there is potentially better exercises to grow your chest if you don't feel it well in it. But if you do feel it well in your chest and it's progressing over the long run, then keep it in me. I don't see any problem with that. So next up is glute, glute kickbacks and glute side steps and any other that fluffy stuff you see folk do in the gym. Uh, I just don't think this is where you should spend the most of your time. I've I've seen I've seen the argument, yes, but like my glutes have grown from it, and that's like saying that's like saying, oh, I want to grow my. Uh, we'll take biceps for example. You could do two two good exercises to grow your biceps. You could do like a dumbbell bicep curl, and then a dumbbell hammer curl. Both pretty decent, simple exercises. Or you could do 20 exercises that are just stupid. You could mess about with kettlebells, use plates. You could do like a barbell one where you 
where you don't actually isolate your biceps and you're just moving the weight from A to B, you can just do all sorts. Your biceps might grow, but like a, you could, could you grow them more effectively with two exercises? Could you not have to do the other 18 and be more time efficient and just do two quality exercises and grow your glutes? This is the view I have. So you could just do a squat and a squat, uh, a hip hinge, so a deadlift variation and also a hip thrust. And I think they grow them much better than the other movements I was talking about. And then you can do some of those uh, glute kickbacks, sidesteps, the abductor machine, whatever you want. But always focus on the basics. The view I have is like, see if, see if they were that good for growing muscle. Why wouldn't bodybuilders do it? Bodybuilders want to grow their glutes also. They don't want to have small glutes because they get judged for their whole physique. So why don't you see them doing it? It's for a reason. It's not the best exercise out there to do it. Yes, it may have some benefit, you could get a good pump from it, which can cause muscle growth, but should you put all your eggs in one basket and use that for the majority of exercises? Probably not. And next is the standing shoulder press. So the reason I see I'm saying this is not that I think it's massively rated, but I still see people do it quite frequently. And... I see it in like programs, so when you're just getting into the gym, you like, you'll like you search up a program online, usually you find something like standard overhead press. Uh, and I don't think this is the best for building muscle. Two, oh sorry, I didn't even touch on one. So one, because you're standing, if you're standing it means you have to balance through your whole body, and you're not that stable. If you're not stable you can't lift as much weight, so I prefer to be seated if you are going to do this. Two, find it's just not a great fit for everyone's shoulder shoulders so sometimes it's uncomfortable it's just it's just an awkward exercise to do in my opinion it's not everyone's got enough mobility to do it they can't get the arm in that position to do it effectively and i think there's better alternatives out there like the dumbbell shoulder press or sorry yeah the seat dumbbell press and then uh, next up is any sort of front delt raise so i don't really think doing any sort of front delt raise is necessary in a program. The reason why is if have you ever looked at someone's physique or your own physique and been like, oh look how small their front delts are. No. Like you, you get enough work from doing bench pressing or any sort of chest work to grow your front delts. And if you're doing like a shoulder press variation or like yeah or like a seat shoulder press machine, you're gonna target your front delts enough. You don't need to isolate them. Like like I said, never ever see people with small front delts, so why would you waste your time spending, like, why would you isolate them if you don't need to? It doesn't make sense. It's like having massive, it's like having a, let's say, like massive forearms and training your forearms, like, they're, they're already massive. Why would you spend time doing that when you can just spend time on weak body parts? So, next up is... A dumbbell hamstring curl. So if any of you seen people put a ham like lie down, put a dumbbell between their legs and curl it, I just think it's a bit of a rubbish exercise. The reason why is because you don't have feet. No, you don't have hands on your feet. You don't have fingers for toes. So it's not really easy to hold the dumbbell there. So I'd much favour someone doing like a hamstring curl machine or a line hamstring curl machine. Any other sort of machine that targets your hamstrings really because it's just awkward there's no point doing it 
it's going to be inconvenient to do. You won't enjoy it as much. And as well as that, with doing a dumbbell hamstring curl, you don't be, you're not able to take your hamstring through a full range of motions. The reason why is once the dumbbell becomes on top of your knee, so if you visualise it being stacked right over your knee, this is when there's no tension on your hamstring because the joints are stacked. And as a result, you can't train the full part of your hamstring. So in order to... You wanted to train the full part of your hamstring, you'd have to pull it further towards your bum than that. But there's not going to be any tension on your hamstrings at that point once it's stacked over your knee. So, yeah, you're under training the full range of motion, and as well as that, it's just a pain in the arse to set up. It's really hard to keep the dumbbell stable and actually lock yourself in and get effective reps out of it. Next up is rack pulls. So, rack pulls, you're not taking. Well, in terms of rack pulls, it depends what muscle group you're thinking of training with the rack pulls. So, let's take back for example. We know we train our back most when we're fully bent over, like at the bottom of a deadlift. So, we don't achieve this with a rack pull. So, it doesn't make sense for training our back. For training our hamstrings, we know we take them through a range of motion when we're standing up with our legs straight and in bending down with our legs straight and pushing our hips back. We can't do this because we can't get low down during the... A rack pull and with our quads in order to train our quads we need to bend our knee an awful lot then straighten it we can't do it an awful lot we can only do it slightly with a rack pull so it's kind of it's not training one muscle group it's just training a lot of muscle groups through a short range of motion and not targeting one in particular so I don't see much purpose in it really I'd really prefer seeing someone do a deadlift instead Especially as a beginner, because uh, it's really easy to just, like, every, anyone can, like, probably do a rack pull with a right form, but a deadlift is hard, so it makes more sense to put your efforts where things are hard. You should do the hard stuff all the time, in my opinion. And once you master a deadlift, you can do most other exercises that, like, include, like, a bent over row, a remaining deadlift, a rack pull, etc. So, yeah, don't see much benefit in them, just to clarify... The range of motion's poor, you're not targeting one muscle in particular, so yeah, there's not much point. And uh, research shows that most of the time I believe we get more more results through training muscles through a, a greater range of motion. So next up, I'm going to touch on underrated exercises. So first of all, is the adductor machine. So the adductor machine is the leg machine where you close your legs and as the name suggests, you train your adductors. I think this is such a valuable movement for you to do in the gym. And I'm a big fan of programming it for my clients if they want to grow their legs. And the reason being is if you look at someone's legs from the front, if you have big adductors, the inside of your legs are much, much thicker and it makes your legs look so much bigger. As well as that, it will help your strength on your compound lifts like your squat, your hack squat, your leg press. Yeah, I'm on, and I'm all for it. And it's a good way to open up your legs and work on your mobility. So if you if your groin's usually quite tight, if you do it at the start of your session, it will loosen it up, allow you to stretch it while also training that muscle. So it will kill two birds with one stone. So yeah, I think everyone or most individuals, unless they've got a reason not to like an injury or anything else that might be applicable, should do the adductor machine. If you've only got half an hour to train, 
would I be doing the adductor machine for an exercise? Probably not. I'd be doing a squat, I'd be doing a bench press, I'd be doing a deadlift, that sort of thing. But if you want to optimise your leg training, I'd definitely have a adductor machine in there. So next up is the cuffed lateral raise. So, like I was saying for the dumbbell lateral raise, how I think it's overrated, the reason being is because you don't have tension on your shoulders at the bottom. On a cuffed lateral raise, you've got tension on your muscle at all times, so it's hard at all times, meaning it's effective at all times. If something's hard, it's usually because it's effective. So as a result, I think this is a better exercise to do, in my opinion. You can do this lying, you can do it standing, and I think it's just more valuable. If it's cuffed, it means you're also not going to have any stress on your wrist joint. You're going to have less stress on your shoulder as well. So, yeah, all wins, really. And, uh, yeah, like I said, you can do the standing, seated, or lying <laughs> on the ground if you want it, but I don't see the point. And with this exercise, you can also do it with, like, a D-handle. So if you don't have cuffs, you can basically do the exact same, but using handles. And with this, using handles, it will... It won't take the stress off your wrist joint, but again, the exercise will stay hard for the full range of motion, and on paper, it will be more effective. So, as for underrated exercises, people like obviously the deadlift such a important exercise, but you see so much people skimp out on it and not do it, and I'm like, why? As a beginner, there's so much value in doing a deadlift. It lit, it trains basically all the muscles in your back. It trains your legs, and one, if, if you get strong at it, it will show in your back. I've seen this with my clients time and time again. When they do the heavy basic movements, their back grows. Their back looks better. Their back looks thicker. I'd, like Just do any sort of deadlift variation that you can progress pain-free and you can do with good form. And it will show in your back development and if it's like a straight leg deadlift or a remaining deadlift in your hamstring development and your glute development. Uh, it's like, why wouldn't you? So, you could do, let's say, you could do like three exercises for your back, you could do a shrug, you could do a upper back exercise, you could do one for your rectors, and you could do one for your lats. So that's four exercises you could do. Or you could do a deadlift, and save time doing four exercises, and maybe get the same results. While also training muscles in your legs. So this is why it's so effective. There's... Yes, it's good to isolate muscles, but it's also good to just do movements where you work a lot of muscle groups at once, just to get stronger at it and, yeah, grow muscle tissue without doing tons of different exercises. Because it's possible. And if you look at someone who's really, really, really strong at a deadlift and a rep range that causes muscle growth, most of the time they have a big back. So it's just proof in the pudding. As for the last underrated exercise, is the barbell back squat. So... The barbell back squat, you see people comment on Instagram all the time, oh, you don't have to barbell back squat, it's not necessary for muscle growth. Yes, I definitely agree, a fair point to make, it's not. And there may be on paper better exercises to train your quads, but if you're taking someone in the gym for the first time or you've got like a client as a beginner, yes, you could make the point, you want to ease them into it, they might feel nervous, they might not feel comfortable doing it. Uh, they might not have mobility, but if you just avoid the barbell back squat, you do a hack squat instead, or any other machine, then 
I, I just think you're missing out on the thing is, with like a barbell back squat, you, you're getting so much bang for your buck. With a beginner, you don't need to isolate your quad. You can grow your glutes, you can grow your hamstrings, you can grow your adductors, you can grow, I, I don't know if I said quads, but quads as well, and your erectors, so your back muscles going up your spine. You can grow all them from one exercise. If a beginner, you respond so well to training, you don't need to do one certain exercise that only gets the the on paper the best exercise for your quads you can grow doing a lot of stupid stuff in the gym and uh, you can grow during a barbell back squat for sure if you can grow during stupid stuff if you train hard you'll probably grow muscle so you don't have to worry about having on paper the best exercise to grow your quads just literally get strong at a barbell back squat and i guarantee your quads will grow if you're a beginner yes other exercises might grow them better but it's so important to learn the movement. If you can do it, you can probably do some like Smith machine split, split squats after learning it. You can do a front squat. You'll be able to use a hack squat machine well. You'll be able to do so much in the gym just from learning how to do it. And there's also the point of if you do a barbell back squat, it teaches you how to correct your form when stuff isn't going well. It, it, it teaches you to maintain a strong stable position under weight and not topple over it teaches you to brace hard which is just taking a big breath through your belly in order to stay tight during the movement there's so much benefits to it yes it's not on paper the best exercise to grow your quads but you don't need the best one as a beginner honestly just learn it because what happens when the hack squat machine's out of order or something else or you you go to the gym or you go on holiday and or you move somewhere and they only have squat racks what are you going to do then then you don't know the barbell back squat you're just going to take a long time messing about having to get used to it so i'm a big beginner of programming this for beginners so after that probably like five minute run on barbell back squats i'm going to wrap this episode up here so hope you enjoyed it took some value from it again any suggestions i'm more than happy to hear them and if you did enjoy the episode uh, please subscribe if you're on YouTube, give the video a like and a comment. If you're on Apple Podcasts, leave me a rating and a review. If you're on Spotify, follow the episode or follow the podcast, sorry. And uh, yeah, again, thank you for listening.